step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode 5. I'm Immortal Alexander. And I'm Jeanette Andromeda. We're a podcast about writing, and today's topic is How Do You Write for Young Adults? To help us with this topic is young adult fiction author John Cleworth. Welcome, John. Good evening. Thank you very much for having me on. So um, after talking to John in the interview portion of the Wicked Library, we had such a uh, heavy geek out conversation that <laughs> just continued after <laughs> what actually ended up in the episode. So I wanted to have <laughs> you back on. And this time we're talking about writing for a young adult audience because you kind of specialize yeah. in that. Yes, um, I, can't, I do. I, um, I always find it difficult to, to categorize what I do um, because I... I, I I write what sort of I'm, I'm a bit organic really so whatever comes to mind, um, but I do find that I tend to gravitate back to what I suppose you might loosely um, describe as as young adults, um, and I think it's very difficult. So I've got a couple of books out, and um, if they were to be sort of you know verified like you know like a film certificate, you'd probably get different opinions on them because. Um, it, Young adults are very they're very difficult to write for, but in some ways they're easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do I do specialise in it. Maybe it's something to do with the um, the job that I'm in as well. So I, I hope I've got a lot of the narrative voice right mm-hmm. um, by by working with these young people. Well, they tell me anyway if I'm not, <laughs> which is good. Is but I, you know I like uh, I like to I, I've done some uh, middle grade stuff and some uh, you know some old stuff yet, but nothing really of sort of novel length so yeah the books are mainly young adult mm-hmm. so um if you guys haven't heard the interview with him on the wicked library yet uh john is also a teacher and he teaches what age age range <laughs> it's uh 10 to 13 years there you go and that I, is I not an easy I, age range <laughs> that, that, it's a very interesting age we're we're, we're um we're one of the few in, in England. We, we don't have many middle schools left. It's called the middle school mm-hmm. um, from from age 10 to 13. And I mean, if you think about it, the, the changes that go on in that are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. They're coming in year six, really squeaky. By the time they get to year eight, you know, all the voices have gone, they're broken the voice and developing mustaches and things like that. <laughs> so it, it's a really sort of interesting phase to watch. And, um, you know, so some of it can be very inspiring for characterization in stories. So is that the main reason, John, you decided to take on young adult fiction is because you actually teach young adults? As a, you know? um, Yeah, well, to a certain extent. I mean, I've, I've taught um, for many years now and um, I've normally taught younger kids. So it's been, you know, through to up to up to the age of 11. 
Um, but in recent years, the past three or four years, I've kind of gone back to where I started, uh, which was up to 13. And um, I think that's partially why I specialise in it. But I think the other thing as well is that um, when you, when you, when, one, when you're a teacher, and two, when you, um, when you write for young adults or, you know, or children, you, you can get to access some really good material. The market's really strong out there. And I think a lot of the, some of the young adult stuff is better than the actual adult stuff that's out there. You know, it's, it's a really competitive market and there's yeah. some fantastic challenging reads there for them. So it's, it's, a, it's a really good one to tackle. Well, and I also think that, like you were saying, the young adult market has this kind of spectrum because it is, you have these kids who are still very much children starting to read more adult content and that's where I think the horror starts to be something that they're drawn to into you are a young adult and you're figuring out who you are and where you are in the world and it's just like this interesting space in mental maturity that ends up in this just huge array of young adult fiction out there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with with the kids themselves, you know, as they're, they're starting to develop, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing that happens really is that you get this massive shoot up and, you know, the, you know, I'm, I'm teaching boys that are bigger than me and I'm kind of six foot one huh? uh, and they're 12. <laughs> and they're bigger than me uh, and the feet grow uh, and the bodies grow, but the brains don't grow at the same rate. Uh-huh. And, and then they get this kind of mixture of um, hormones whizzing around the body and the, the moods start to change, and you know that you know they get into quite. Um, they be, I think they become more interesting and become more interested mm-hmm. in the kind of stuff that that I write, you know, because the the feelings that are inside of them, um, you can tap into, and you can you can manifest it in different ways in stories, and actually tap into it um, for them to enjoy, and it's a kind of escapism. Uh, with a safety net, yeah. you know. Um, I think you've got to be careful when you're writing for young people. As I say, I've written some uh, some adult stuff, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty strong. And I wouldn't share with you know a younger audience, but I don't tend to back away from the themes, which you know are pretty universal throughout any kind of literature. Really, you know, you're looking at themes like betrayal, loss, um, loss of trust. Mm-hmm. You know, family members turning bad. Or whatever you know, um, friendships are massive issue in friendship circles, and just you know the way that that actually relate with the adult world and the strangeness that that brings on, is um, is all kind of confusing but fantastic at the same time. Um, so it, it's good to tap into that, and I think they enjoy reading about it as well. I I definitely think so. And for you as an adult. How, what kind of ways do you work to get into the headspace of this younger audience? <laughs> well, that's, that's a really interesting one um, because, I mean, as a teacher, you, you try to do that anyway. Um, and and it's, it's kind of it, – it's not an easy one to answer because sometimes you just don't know where they are sometimes. It, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of almost on another planet. The best thing to do really is to when, – when you're in a, a kind of a privileged position as I am, is to just observe, and and I'm also I play like um in, in my job I play a big pastoral role, so I'm kind of I'm the head of year for 200 kids aged, at the moment aged between 12 and 13, uh, and they bring with them a variety of needs. So what's inside one kid's head 
maybe pretty much, you know, like Polly Pocket and My Pony and, <laughs> and all that kind of thing. Whereas in, in another kid's head, you know, it's it's all zombies, um, you know, cannibals <laughs> and all that kind of thing. So it depends on your character, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you be working working with them and communicating with them on a daily basis helps me to understand more about the way that they think and Again, when I, when I'm counselling them, when they need you know um, advice or help or whatever it is, uh, and I speak to them, and you know, you get an understanding that way, and you can actually use that. You think, oh, that you know that that kind of thinking there would be good. So why did you act in that way? And they will often they will often verbalise it if you ask the right questions. And you know, writers are all poachers anyway, so you know we're we're <laughs> we're there, you know, like. Um, pinching ideas from everywhere aren't we you know and uh, so the, the kids are dropping these little golden nuggets in and you say oh no we could use that we could use that so it's kind of it, it, it's difficult but it's good fun to, to to try and get into the consciousness or get into that headspace mm-hmm. um and but the key thing is to try and keep it true and to keep it ringing true you know sometimes they'll just say oh, we'd never say that you know or yeah. we wouldn't react in that way um, but yeah, you've, if most of the time you can you can hit it right. So it's yeah, it's kind of it's almost like a meditative process of taking yourself into the way that they would think. And actually, I, I think you know, I'm sure many writers would agree. I can't speak for them all, but that when you when you are writing a character, you you have to almost become that character mm-hmm. and shut off the rest of the world and not speak as you and not think as you, but you know, how would my character react? And another uh, tip, well, that I use when when I'm doing characterising, I'll write down maybe a list of questions, mm-hmm. whichever character it might be, so, you know, to get into the kind of young adult idea, you know, so, you know, what what's your deepest fear? What's your most embarrassing moment? What's the high spot of your life that gave you the biggest buzz? What's your favourite colour? Little things like that. And if you can familiarise yourself with that, um, then you've got things to hang your character on, and hopefully then they relate to it, you know, in the right way, and and, and we'll keep coming back for more. So they seem to be enjoying it at the moment. So it's it's, it's all good. And I think it would be interesting. I mean, if as a writer, if you wanted to attempt young adult fiction, I think you could go out there and just volunteer your time teaching youths uh, for anything, even just some community stuff, where you can have an yeah. opportunity to observe. And use that information as just notes, not like specifics about a person, you know, their own personal life, but like just little things that you you pick up on because you get a chance to observe, like when they do a nature documentary and they observe the animals in the wild (laughs) and their natural environment. They're like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and hang out in a tree and watch this bird for a couple hours. You can't really do that with young adults without uh, officially having to be there for a reason. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'm just sitting in the park watching children. It's okay. I'm a novelist. (laughs) Yeah, well, that would explain it then. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. And and I can't remember which writer it was that said it, but I think it was something along the lines of, I know it's probably more than one writer that said it, but in order to write about life, you've got to get out there and live it. Mm-hmm. and write about what you know about and then you know obviously with horror right as, as horror writers we write about things that are fairly surreal and hopefully won't happen yeah um you know because there's a there's enough of the i suppose um you know real horror in the world i think the, so. the horror that we write about needs to be 
an escape that you want to go to. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, and uh, and I think, um, yeah, so I think getting out there and amongst them and, and talking to them, whatever, whatever you're doing, you know, it's, it's all part of the research really, isn't it? It definitely you is. Know? So I get paid for doing research. And on this thought, there's just something in your book, uh, Firestorm Rising, that just yeah. really highlights this moment with like how oh, yeah. kids react to a situation as opposed to how an adult would react. And there's a scene yeah. when they're in the attic and I, w- I will try not to spoil the scene because it's so magical, oh, no. <laughs> but something appears and then there's a lot of water involved. And then it's just like, yeah. they're more worried about their parents being mad at yes. them because of the water damage than like this thing that just happened. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way. That's the way that kids react. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, they can do the most extremely bizarre, silly, you know, surprising things, and they go, "Why? Why did you do that?" You know. But imagine it's sort of a life or death situation. Yeah, and the, but they'd be more concerned. Oh no! You know, we've wet the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got to deal with you this. Know. My mom's going to actually yeah. kill me. <laughs> yeah. Now that that is real horror. You yeah. Know? <laughs> If I if I really want to terrify a child, you know, don't don't write horror. Just say I'm just picking up the phone. I'm going to ring your mum. Please stop! <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> it really is like well, that's of the course, biggest I'd thing. Of course, I never I'll never do that. But it is sometimes it's a good bargaining chip, you yeah. know. <laughs> and John, do you draw at all from your own experiences when you're writing? Yeah, um, I do, and and I think these. Um, thoughts and ideas can come from anywhere and everywhere you know and sometimes it might just be you know one word that intrigues me um and uh, and sometimes it may be a place that i've visited or or a dream i've i've, I've had a i wish i dream i wish i could have more nightmares mm-hmm. i love nightmares so lo- lots of cheese <laughs> and red wine you know before you go to bed that's the best combination um and you know i've had some i've had some brilliant nightmares and i, I tap into those whenever i can trouble is i forget them too quick mm-hmm. you know so um you know kind of the dreams are like that they just slip away but um yeah i mean in my in my past life well past life in my earlier life so like i've been reincarnated there <laughs> um i i used to be a, a miner a coal miner so you know i've um i've done done the sort of you know disappearing off into the dark at 5 a.m um uh i've been in places underground where there actually has literally been nobody else and hundreds of feet of rock above me and all around me very very spooky yeah and then when you turn off the when you turn off the light on your on your lamp on your headlamp you, you experience what you, total blackness, which we never really experience, you know, because as soon as you turn off your light, you, you, you see shapes and your eyes begin to adjust, but total blackness down there. And they actually have real blind mice that come out when you turn off the light. It's very weird, very oh. spooky. Yeah they, yeah, they come out and sort of search for the search for the crumbs. I'm, I'm speaking historically now because, unfortunately, most of them are, are, are past now. They're not, you know, it's not a, an industry that survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I've been down there and I, I tapped into all that, and I've I used that one in um, in Demons in the Dark. Mm-hmm. There's a scene there where it's underground, and uh, part of the finale 
happens under there. So we can draw on that. And actually, you know, I've been in that cage. I know what it smells like. I know what it feels like. You know, the cage is basically the thing that will lower you down in and you, and you go down underground. Um, but, yeah, um, I think any any life experience. And uh, as you go through life, I always think it's a bit – life's – I'm not going to burst into song, but it's a bit of a roller coaster, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's got its high spots and its mm-hmm. low spots. This is what I always say to the kids, you know, don't worry about it because this will go back. The ride will go back up again. Mm-hmm. You know, you're feeling a bit down at the minute, but it will go back up again. And you can use those times when you were feeling down or when somebody treated you badly or when you've seen something that you found really offensive or appalling. And I think you can take that, reshape it, and channel it into into something new, exciting, and artistic. So yeah, very much so. Uh, draw on my own life experience, um, and and try to use that wherever possible. Sometimes fairly literally, you know, as in describing a journey underground. But sometimes, you know, in a more hidden way, where an experience that you've had, you know, a powerful experience, can come into a story. And it can be disguised in a different way, but it gives you that real feel. I think it gives that authenticity. And and then, you know, the bits that you do dream up, I think you can get away with those much more because the people, you know, the readers have bought into that sense of, um, you know, suspended disbelief. But it's, it's it's quite a good analogy, and uh, yeah, I think um, as I say, you know, it's really good to. Um, you know, to, to experience new things and to, and to throw them all into the pot, you know, and, and to, you know, yeah, and, 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 you know, to jot them down before you forget them because, it, you know, life is so transient and it ideas. Is. I think it's a bit like a soup, you know, the, the <laughs> ideas that you come up with in your head and stuff that you've maybe not even thought about for years can pop back up and you get a little idea. And if you don't write it down, it pops back down again. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I try to keep I try to keep a record of it as as I go along. Yeah, li- life's rich tapestry. So, kind of changing gears a little bit. Do you believe yeah. that writing young adult characters in peril can actually be more effective in creating dread because of their age? Because you you definitely play with that in your your stories. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, I, I think it can um, it can create. And and this is where the you know there has to be a note of caution because I think maybe being a, a professional who works with kids as well mm-hmm. is that you know you understand that there's a fine line that I personally feel you you know you need to be careful not to go too far beyond because I see you know young adult writers as the custodians of their literature we don't own it you know they own it. Mm-hmm. We're just looking after it for them. And um, I think, you know, yes, you, you can create dread within them. But as, as we've maybe touched on, you know, earlier in the conversation, there are so many feelings going through them at this age anyway that it's, you know, th- those feelings come up and they can't make sense of them. You know, so, yeah, you know, I just feel like the whole world hates me today. You know those kind of feelings, and mm-hmm. and and you, you know you get a lot of um, sometimes I think maybe over analysis and uh, of you know depression in children and these black feelings. Yeah. So as with anything, if you can turn that into a kind of a fuel and an energy, because there is an energy in that kind of feeling, and that's what fear is. It's an energy 
And if you can channel it and use it in something creative, then I think the kids can get a lot out of it and can actually make sense of it and say, yeah, you know, it's okay to feel like that. I get it, that character on that page, I felt like that. I understand, somebody else understands as well. And that little moment, you know, when, when they do understand that they're not the only one that feels like that, it's, a, it's quite a moment of epiphany for them because they often feel quite isolated as a, as a process of this. So you can tap into those feelings of dread. Um, and I think when you want to push the fear buttons, it's quite, it's quite easy. Um, but I don't tend to go into anything too... Uh, I'm not afraid to put the, the sort of graphic imagery on mm-hmm. the pages and, and, and the themes, because I think themes are universal through any any kind of age range, you know, um, as, as we mentioned before, you know, like friendship and love and, and hate and, and trust, those kind of things are there anyway. So it's, it's kind of just tapping into those, um, but in a way that's not going to damage them because writing should be fun, reading should be fun. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, you, I see it that you kind of, you kind of take them by the hand, you're leading them into the dark and they know at the end of the day, it's just a book or it's just a story right. or it's just a podcast that you're listening to. And you can, at the end of you can switch it off. You've had a good time with it. It's escapism. Uh, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's a place to go to and then to welcome to go to. And uh, speaking from personal experience as a, as a youngster myself when I was that age, uh, there wasn't the swell of stuff that there is out there now. There was very little. You know, you, you used to have to get straight into pretty much James Herbert, Stephen King and people like that and the pan books of horror and all that. Uh, but I used to love it, you know, because it was satisfying that kind of darker side, which, whether people admit to it or not, everybody's got. You know, and uh, you can tap into that. And I think you can satisfy that darker side. And these, these, you know, kind of feelings within the kids, they can relate to that. So it's a, it's a yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky but a really rewarding thing to do and to write for. And I love connecting with the kids and talking to the kids. I think that's one of the best things about writing um, is actually getting out there, talking to them. And, and perhaps, you know, sometimes they're more eager to talk, you know, present company excluded, um, <laughs> you know, sort of most people, you know, don't tend to discuss literature too much, you know, like, you know, what was on X Factor last night or something right. like that. <laughs> Kids are more into, oh, yeah, yeah, I read that. And, oh, have you read this? And, you know, and all the, all the latest great movie that's out there. And so they will discuss it and, and they the, the can ignite pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So you've got to catch them when, you know, you've got to catch them when they're ready and just kind of hit that note. So it's it's a bit random in some ways, but a real good challenge. So did that answer the question there? Absolutely. Yes, yes. <laughs> I do drift sometimes. You have to, <laughs> you have to tell me if I ramble too much. I'm enjoying your drifting. Exactly. <laughs> oh, good, good. It's on good. topic drifting, so it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, John, how do you approach language and vocabulary knowing that you are writing for a younger audience? Yeah, um, two strands to it, really. One is that um, I'm obviously, again, in a, in a position where you know, I'm working with children all the time, so I, I learn the kind of subculture, the sub-language, if you like. Every playground, every schoolyard has its own kind of subculture, uh, things that they don't think the adults know about, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can have real fun with them, you know, sort of talking old in inverted commas, you know, using several, hey, that's really groovy, <laughs> you know. But you get things, you, you, so you get phrases like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, is it mint? Mint. Mm-hmm. This might be an English one. I don't, mint is good. Um, what is it? Peng. Peng is good, but deng is bad. So that's peng, that's deng. Peng's good, deng's bad. So, <laughs> so you can you can you can filter those in. Trouble is, they go out of fashion quite quickly because they can change them again by you know next month or something. Mm-hmm. And the other strand to that is um, I I always avoid profanity mm-hmm. in young adult. Um, to me, I don't think it's necessary. I think I can pack a punch without you know without using offensive language um it's not something you know that that i'm you know sort of on a on a soapbox about i just feel that i i think kids are more intelligent they don't need you know the kind of blunt instrument mm-hmm. that you can that the, the actual changes that are, that are going on within them are very very subtle and just as sometimes you might want to present a a real kind of splattery image, you know, and a bit of a, you know, either somebody exploding or something like that, which they can have fun with. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you get a good descriptive phrase on that, they love that. <laughs> yeah. But what really works well, yeah, what really works well, though, is, is the kind of more the shadowy things because that's what really scares them. Mm. And I think in terms of, I'm not drifting from the question here, but uh, in terms of, you know, the, the what you don't see, it's a, what's that thing just around the corner there almost like a camera just panning around a dark corridor. What is it at the end? Our school, by the way, has, is supposed to be haunted. That's oh. great, isn't it, for me? <laughs> That's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, from the caretaker, uh, well, caretaker's wife, actually, janitor. So down the, uh, down the end of the corridor, she stood there and she showed me a picture on her phone of this kind of shape. And apparently it's a little girl that's, um, there was a, previously it was a, a children's home or something like that. <laughs> And uh, this little girl is, has been seen walking the corridors. I've never seen her. I've walked down in the dark many, many times. I'd love to see her. Um, <laughs> don't know what I'd do if I did, but um, <laughs> right I'm drifting it. from the point. about <laughs> to this. So just as you might walk down there, and it's that kind of well, what you don't see. And as, as personally as I'm walking down that corridor and kind of thinking, I really want to see this. And part of me is thinking, I really don't want to see this. <laughs> you know, what would I do if that happened? And it's those kind of questions, what if, and what mm-hmm. you don't see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same with language as well. Yeah. You can do it. You can, you can, you can make your point without, you know, hammering it in uh, with offensive language. If it if it's comes to a character that would necessarily speak in that way and it was necessary to the plot, then, you know, I'd throw it in. But um, I've not... I don't find the need uh, too often. So I think I think in terms of language there, again, it's that, you know, a note of caution. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a, a real kind of um, on the on the cusp kind of, you know, between childhood and adulthood. Mm-hmm. And in there, you know, you, you're in a real privileged position. If you can access that in any way, you can make a real difference. Yeah. Uh, people are formed in that time frame of life. And kind of on that thought process, there's so this 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 idea of like what's too far for a young adult audience is like 
there are stories where the lead cast of characters are young adults, but the story isn't for that audience. Like the first half of it is all about young adults, but I really wouldn't yeah. want a 13 year old to read that book <laughs> because you know, it's, you probably find that most of them have <laughs> probably actually, but it's like, and yeah. then that, I guess that's my question is like having a cast of characters that is the age doesn't necessarily make a story for that age group, but, but where is that line? Well, I think, um, I mean, are, are you referring to the, to the movie? Have you seen the new movie? Yes, we have. That was brutal. <laughs> but yeah, <good. laughs> I've, not, I've not seen that. That's in, my, that's in my calendar, I think, for next weekend nice. or the weekend after that. We might have another one lined up first. I'm really looking forward to it. I read the book years ago. And I think Stephen King, I mean, obviously, he's, he's, he's popular for many reasons, not mm-hmm. least of which is just an absolute genius at characterization. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's great to take, you know, kid characters and put them in those situations because, um, you know, many books, you know, particularly serialized books uh, will, you know, begin with a younger character and then develop that character as they get older. Mm-hmm. But, but I think, you know, adults can have a good time reading the, the younger stuff, yeah. you know, and, and not feel that, you know, you're reading down because it's, it, it, it's really talented writing. I think kids can, can still have that same reward reading upwards as well. It, it's just that, as you say, Jeanette, there, I think, you know, there are certain maybe um, themes and things that something that would absolutely terrify me. Uh, I, I would think I wouldn't want, a youngster to see because you know we can we can bend back into shape quite quickly much more quickly than they can and and i think also that as as adults we can see more and this is a big difference that we we see more that difference between the divide between reality and unreality mm-hmm. you know it's just uh you you speak to a young child so for example a year six in my school well year six is 10 year old mm-hmm. um they will happily talk to you about some fantasy thing as though it's quite real you know yeah you know they're they're out there and there's dragons out there and fantastic and don't go in that cupboard it's haunted (laughs) and it's quite real and no you know no sort of um modesty about it it's just there it's that you know that's that's quite real um but um as you know as they get a little bit older and, and the feelings start to change you have to be you have to be very careful how you kind of deal with that side of things you know, because things that can be enacted on the schoolyard uh, need to be closely monitored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, of you know, I, it was things like, you know, WWE, um, yeah. <laughs> which I love, by the way. Oh, I love it. You know, um, The Undertaker and all that. Um, but, you know, they become that character and think yep. they don't realize that these guys are highly trained and yeah. that they don't really hurt each other. <laughs> you know? We have, we have friends that like, uh, used to do backyard wrestling and they would oh, yeah. try not to hurt it themselves, but they're Why? using their own <laughs> makeshift ring and makeshift everything. So, you know, stuff happens, yeah. but you don't want to encourage it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, so I think um, those kind of, um, those kind of themes, you've got to be careful where the lines are drawn. And, and I think it's just a judgment call, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I don't think anybody's quite, quite got it right because some kids can be ready for you know quite more mature literature quite early on that's true um 
you know, and I think that's why it's so difficult. And books don't have really, a, some do, maybe rough ones, don't have age categories on them, do they? Nope. <laughs> but, you know, so, um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, there are certain there are certain themes and, uh, you know, that kids, I think, quite rightly need protecting from. And uh, you can hint at and you can refer to, um, but the meat of the stuff that they're into really is into the scares and the action. You know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 how the how the main character. I think they like to see themselves reflected in that character. You know, so you got like um, you know the. Uh, I, I like to try to develop a, a strong female character. Mm-hmm. You know, so within both the books that I've written, and hopefully lots of the stories that I've written, you know, there's a there's a reflection of a little bit of everybody in there. You know, the uh, and so I think um, you know for too long, you know, the, the the girl characters certainly when I was growing up. When you know when you were watching Doctor Who and things like that, they were all they were all there just to kind of stand behind the guy, yep. a little bit, which is not, not what women are like at all, you know, uh, and and rightly so. And so you know, teaching young girls now, they are extremely competitive, and uh, you know, and they come through. They like to see that reflected in the literature. Yeah. Otherwise, they close the book and they choose another one, and that's not what you want. Nope. So, John, <laughs> John what is a good length for a young adult novel? Um, it's, it's difficult, um, because, well, I mean, of the two that I've done, I mean, again, very difficult to categorize, but the, the, the demons in the dark one is probably the more, uh, young adult one of the ones that I've got out at the minute. Although I have got a, a draft of a latest one and that runs in at, um, just under 70,000. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the, the going sort of concern and, and again, I think like many writers out there, I'm not agented. I'm not with a big publisher. Um, you know, there's a, there's such a great indie market out there now. But but the guidelines in terms of um, what agents are looking for is probably about right, which I think with, with young adults is somewhere between 50 and 80,000 mm-hmm. for young adult. And, uh, you know, you kind of it, – it's got to be really, really – you know, sort of, I won't say good, but unique in a way to sort of go beyond that, I think. Um, but uh, but anything below that, and you, I don't think there's enough, really enough meat, you know, to digest there. Yeah, because after, like, lower than that, it seems to get into the not even middle grade, but even younger, where there's you suddenly start to need more pictures yeah. again under that word count of, like, 50,000. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and again, you know, that's just taking, I mean, teaching English to uh, to students of the age that I teach, you know, right from 10 to 13. Some of the, some, you know, some kids are reading challenging long books and several of them, you know, every week. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic to see. And kind of, I've read this one, I've read that one, you know, what are you on to now? Um, but again, it goes with the maturity and with the concentration span and how much they can handle you know, so, yeah, the middle grade, you know, or younger, you know, shorter chapters, pictures. But by the time by the time you're getting onto the young adult, you know, you're into the more abstract kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. And you can develop those over, over a longer course, really. So uh, I, I think that's where they're up to, you know, on that next step then before the step up to the, uh, to the adult stuff. I think that makes sense. So... <laughs> You touched on this subject before, but uh, one book that comes to mind is Tolkien's The Hobbit. It 
kind of feels like an introduction to a younger audience so that he can kind of bring people into the Lord of the Rings series, which was a much bigger, beefier thing. But in its length and language is what's different between the two books. And I'm curious, um, do you shy away from complex topics in your young adult writing or, or like the, the depth of language, like description and things like that? How do you approach that knowing that it might be a younger reading level? Um, I think, you know, in terms in terms of the language, it's it's just finding that right pitch um, into you know because I mean as an adult I've read books where I've needed to have a dictionary at the side of me and I've kind of been looking at this this author's just trying to be clever what are you, what are you trying to do you know uh, to trying to use the most obscure word possible mm-hmm. so I think the language I think accessibility you can do you can do ever such a lot with really simple language um, so. So the language itself really isn't um, a problem and the complexity of the language, I think it should be there to challenge them mm-hmm. uh, and help them to grow as readers and, uh, you know, and thinkers. In, in terms of the topics themselves, um, I don't tend to censor myself too much. In fact, sometimes I wonder if I, you know, if I, if I do go a little bit too far. Um, to, there, there, are, there are a few little rules that, that I tend to live by um, when I'm writing, uh, well, so far anyway, mm-hmm. for young adults, is that uh, I've not I've not killed off any children yet. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> not not in my young in my young adult stuff. And they might think they have, but then it kind of you know I, I can sort of twist it around and I've got things up my sleeve. So I, I, I tend not to do that. Um, the, the overly the overly offensive language, and I think you know things like sexual content, you've got to be so so careful with mm-hmm. that uh, you know it's just um, it's it's not necessary if it is it's you know it's in terms of you know you know romantic and kind of these romantic ideas that kids get when they're growing up so um but i think i think more the terms of the uh i mean in demons in the dark there was one uh, where this you know the, the kid's relationship with his dad was totally different and his dad turned out to be something other than uh what it appeared to be all his life and um, <clears throat> he'd done something unpleasant to uh, to mum and dispose of mum quite early on in the in the, in the story without even too many spoilers away. And he met a very sticky end in the end. And and I, and I really painted that quite graphically. I went I went quite a few a few pots of paint at that one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, the kids seemed to enjoy. It. Yeah, he deserved that. I'm thinking, well, no, no, he probably didn't actually. But <laughs> I thought you might like it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, there were a few bones cracking and splintering and uh, <laughs> blood bubbling up here and there. So I think in that, you know, you can you can have such fun because it's almost, um, you know, it, it becomes a kind of a, yeah, it's a, it's a big finale and it's the just desserts. But uh, I, I tend to kind of measure that out if I can because mm-hmm. they're the kind of stories that, you know, I, I enjoy reading are the ones that make me think twice about turning the light off at night the ones that, you know, kind of, you know, made me wonder what, what that is out of the corner, what it is that's tapping on the window outside, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully nothing, you know, apart from a tree. <laughs> but those are the kind of things that um, that work really well. And an author that I like that does that extremely well. And if you're familiar, if you're familiar with Susan Hill and The Woman in Black. Yes. But the, yeah, those kind of stories are just so intense, 
uh, and brilliant. And I think those are the kind of things that kids enjoy as well, mm-hmm. because, again, it taps into that sense of unease. But you can bring about such a whoosh and a rush and a release of, you know, whoa, fantastic, it's a relief, it's over. And, you know, it, it all turns out to... Well, it turns out well or it doesn't. It depends what month you're You know, but I'm usually on the kids' side. Uh, I like uh, I like the the hero. I like the heroes to win. But I love baddies as well. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would have loved being a bad guy. I would love to be a villain. You know, because I'm 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 just so squeaky clean in life. It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things I kind of relate to. Uh, and we watched watching Gotham at the minute on TV. Mm. You know the, the oh, fantastic new series of that out, and you know I, I love all the villains in there. It's just so dark and brilliant and brooding. Um, so yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the things that uh, that kids like, and those those topics and themes quite easy to tap into because you could sum it up into one word and you say that you know it's feelings. It's getting into those feelings mm-hmm. and those emotions. Uh, and using them into something creative and artistic. Uh, it's kids like that. Definitely. And John, we I know we kind of touched upon this uh, a little bit earlier on in the conversation, but uh, something like a Harry Potter as a series seems like a great example of a series growing emotionally as its audience does. Um, yeah. How do you write a modern feeling story for young adults that won't become too dated in just a few years? It's It's really difficult. Um, because, I mean, just a, an, an example that comes to mind of a short story that I wrote, uh, and it was, a, as it was a, as a, you know, the internet was developing a pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote an idea about that and, and, and kind of, a, and it was, it was, I, I didn't, I didn't actually send it out anywhere. I'd never, I'd never really finished it. And then I read it again and I thought, that is so dated now <laughs> because the technology's moved on. That wouldn't happen. This wouldn't happen. So I think you've got to be um, – you can either create something that's of a period, mm-hmm. and I love writing that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know, the, the one that I just had in the Wicked Library was a, a kind of turn of the sort of, you know, early 1900s kind of story. Um, and if it's of that time, you know, you're safe because things are there and they're there in history. Mm-hmm. But more um, keeping that modern feel now – I think, again, and I, and I sort of would always come back to the point that I think from, you know, the day we first sort of cr- crawled out of the primordial ooze and, and started to walk on two legs, we've experienced fear, we've experienced joy, uh, and I think, you know, however long we, we last on the planet, we're still going to have those feelings. And those feelings never really go out of date. Mm-hmm. So I think if the thrust of the story is based... N- on tapping into that, then I think the rest of it is almost window dressing, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, yeah, we'll go, oh, yeah, that that was from the, I don't know, for, that was from 2000 or, yeah, that was around then. Well, those mm-hmm. feelings are still the same. They'll yeah. buy into that and sort of travel with you. But, yeah, I mean, Harry Potter's a, a brilliant example of that. And I remember buying the first one when it first came out and read it in one sitting, I think, and really enjoyed it. Um, and then the complexity of the books grew um, and became darker. Mm-hmm. But still, kids are accessing that now really voraciously. Oh, yeah. You know, the, even the, you know, the modern audience are picking it up and, and, and they're through it within a matter of months and having a good time with it. 
I love it. I, I, Harry Potter, I was very lucky to grow up with myself. So it was like, oh, my goodness, am I going to get my, no, no, oh, one, yeah. I didn't have magic. Apparently I'm just a muggle, but. <laughs> just a, just a muggle. So yeah, it's a great story. And I think story like Harry Potter and, and, you know, success stories like that are fantastic. You know, writing a story on a napkin, you know, and a delayed, <laughs> yeah, a delayed train journey, you know, give it a time to mull over. A crucial point, you know, uh, in the plot that developed it through to that that first thing. It's brilliant, and then it, it takes on life of its own. It does. There's a kind of magic in that for sure, in more than one way. Definitely, <laughs> that's kind of the magic of writing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, as I've been reading more of your work, I've noticed that you really are very good at having a broader spectrum of. Uh, characters in your stories so the fact that you often have a strong female character I love um, how does the actual gender of your characters influence the tone style or language yeah. of them as you're writing them it depends on who the character is mm -hmm. um, so you get um, you take you know a, a, say a, a, a random selection a straw poll of 10 kids you get five boys five girls um, even within, say, one class of English that I teach, the kids all speak in, in different ways. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm teaching one girl at the minute who is, she's a, she's a really keen footballer. Um, yeah. We well, might describe as a tomboy, mm -hmm. um, but absolutely delightful kid. And, you know, is in some ways, her speech is more boyish than the boys, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I think, You've got to be really careful, again, to not, not really just stereotype and say, well, a girl would speak in this way um, or, you know, or, or a British kid would speak in this way. You know, so go, oh, that's frightfully nice, isn't it? And, <laughs> you know, and the girl goes, oh, yes, it is. You know, so I think, um, I think the characters that I wrote, so say, um, you know, the Firestorm Rising one, um, she was, uh, she was you know, she'd got the, she'd got the spiked hair, the coloured hair. Um, she was a real fighter. You know, and um, there's a sequel in the pipeline for that as well. Nice. So there's a little bit to her than, than meets the eye. Um, and, you know, the, the two boys kind of played off each other as well. You know, the, the way that they sort of interacted. In fact, one of them, one of them was really quite neutral. And it maybe came across as the hero, but it was the other two that really made him that way. Mm -hmm. You know, the feisty female character and the kind of the more sort of deep thinking other lad. So, yeah, I think I think the way... Um, the way to to deal with gender is almost, I think, these days to to put gender on one side and to think of them as as what is that individual like, mm -hmm. what what makes that person, you know, the person that they are, um, you know. So that, but but you know, I think I think the way that they handle situations and the way they respond and react, you can show so much more than tell. So I think to the, the actual um, the the tone again depends just on on the character. The language can be you know can be quite disparate depending on you know what you want to portray. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, and 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 I think you know it, it, you've really got quite a good melting pot and a good a good palette to to mix things on these days. And that's where you know when you do look back and you were mentioning earlier about things going out of date. You know, um, so you look back at kind of things like Enid Blyton, you know, it's still hugely popular, but it's of its time. 
Yeah. You know, and uh, it's a snapshot in time. And I think kids and society have evolved so much since then. And in, and in many ways for the better. Uh, in some ways, you know, and you could say, you know, maybe, maybe not so sure, but uh, well, that's life. And that's, that's the whole sort of rich tapestry of it, isn't it? Most definitely. Um, yeah. John, um, since you do a lot of your own, you do your own publishing, correct? Yes. Yes. So how do you go about marketing books uh, to a young adult audience, knowing kind of how they consume and where they look for these things? Well, um, I'm, I'm in a slightly more lucky situation that um, just very briefly, when, when I first put Firestorm Rising out, I signed a publishing contract um, and, and several people had signed up with this publisher and it fell flat. It, you know, it wasn't it, it, they couldn't deliver on the promises. But I got to know some really nice people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we uh, one of them set up the publishing platform where I put put my books out from now, which is Mo Square. And we kind of all in on that and have an interest in, in keeping that going. And who knows where that might lead, you know, eventually uh, when we take on kind of more authors, which is very, very early in the stage and we're kind of pursuing individual projects. But in terms of marketing the books out, it's more uh, I've really got into social media uh, and, you know, using I mean, Twitter mainly, um, but I've got a website and, and, and Facebook page as well. But I just love the face-to-face things and being getting the chance to to you know work with children in school, but also in other schools as well. And I think you know the nice thing again um, with kids particularly, and with you know with young adults particularly, that if they like something, they'll shout out about it, and they'll tell each other, and they'll tell the friends, and uh, you know they will they'll spread the word. So. A lot of it is is just word of mouth, and uh, and I'm sure you know as, as writers yourselves, and you know, and, and any writers that are listening in, when you're on that journey, and you're first setting out on it, you think, oh, you know, people are going to snap this up, mm-hmm. they're going to love me, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're going to buy this straight away, and then the rejection things start coming in, you know, usually, <laughs> yeah, what? What? I don't deserve this. And then you start talking to people and they go, you know, you need to grow another skin. You need to become broad shouldered because that is just part of the writer's life. And yeah. it's all in the eye of the um, it's all in the eye of the reader. One person's opinion can be very, very different to another. But kids tend to be very honest. And if they like it, you know, they'll come back for more. So I think in terms of marketing, you've not got um, certainly not got a, you know, a publicity machine behind me like many of us. Um, things like being able to reach out on podcasts like this, you know, Fantastic Ninth Story, mm-hmm. um, getting work out on the Wicked Library. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, those kind of things just and, – and also, the, you know, the face-to-face, wherever there's an opportunity, um, visiting, visiting a library, doing workshop in a library or doing a workshop in, a, in another school. It's just, you know, even if you pick up just one or two people in a new audience, word of mouth is, is a really powerful – advertising tool and i think if if your product is right and and polished and and good enough then you know people will start to think you know i'd like to hear a little bit more of that Mm -hmm. or i might explore him a little bit more um so in that sense it's kind of you know you i just feel i'm really energetic about it you know i'm really passionate and i would never become complacent you know, I think that I think all writers should learn that lesson 
that you know you you if you let it go cold it'll stay cold you've got to you've got to keep on keep the momentum going you know and be be your own best marketer to a certain extent and you know all all publicity is good publicity you know i i think so anyway you know and all all work to do with writing is good work because it's getting the word out there mm-hmm. and it's spreading the messages that we want to spread you know that books are good Stories are here to stay. They've been here since the dawn of time. <laughs> they always will be. And, you know, technology changes, but stories stories don't. The themes within them don't. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just you know, no longer just sitting and tapping way behind a, a laptop in an ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a classic idea of that. <laughs> You've you got to reach out. Uh, and, and I just think that the writing community is a, just a fantastic, wonderful community and, you know, as I said before, I'm kind of discovering this side of things with the podcasts, and it's a whole new avenue of of really great people that I'm learning about, talking to, working with. You know, it's a real pleasure and a joy. Uh, so, in a way, that kind of marketing's easy uh, and enjoyable, but you've got to work at it. And now with like Twitter, you have to be really kind of cautious as far as how you. Um, how you promote your products because you don't want your yeah. Twitter account to just become a place uh, where you put product placement. You're hey, just ta- did you hear I had a book? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you having a conversation? <laughs> but I, I have a book. <laughs> See? <laughs> like that. Buy it. <laughs> so like that's the thing that you really do need to be cautious of because if they just see yeah. you as a sounding board, as a promotional sounding board and nothing else, not as an individual, not as a creative yeah. or witty person, um, they're going to get turned off. But if you can be a human being that's also creative, it's also a writer and talk about all those things through your social yeah, exactly. media and occasionally put out that, oh, I have a new book, I think you're going to get a lot more attraction as an individual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The remembering to actually, it is it is okay to say, hey, I have a book you can buy. I, um, I really enjoy Twitter and I'm going to go a little off tangent for a second because I think people... This is valuable information because half of it is marketing what you have out there. And uh, with Twitter, I've been very good about just being like social and a person, talking about random things that I think are cool. Um, But Uh it wasn't until recently I started to actually say, oh, hey, guys, I have prints. Do you want to buy them? Oh, my God, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why didn't I mention this sooner? (laughs) says everyone it needs to be it needs to be that way around you know doesn't it It, that's the best way to do it you know um become the person first yeah you know build a relationship with with whoever you're following um and then sort of pop it i read a tweet earlier on today and it just made me smile it's somebody that i follow um, you know, we we kind of followed each other since everything I think it came onto Twitter, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he interact quite a lot, <clears throat> and he puts lots of funny stuff out there. Um, but then he he put on um, just to sort of there like you said. Oh, by the way, uh, I've written some quite nice books. If anybody would like to buy them, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that's fantastic. Yeah, I'll dip into that. I'll have a look and see. And I think people that's a lot better way to go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, I mean because you're quite right, Alex. You know when when you when you're on Twitter, um, however many followers you've got, you skip past that, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know the the ads that come, you can see it's just oh gosh, you know there's they're not in it to invest in you in any way or yeah. interested in what you're doing. They're just there to 
to try and sell a product and it, it becomes almost um background noise mm-hmm. yeah, yeah they, they've like the, they tweeted like three weeks ago or three months ago is their last tweet about their last thing they put out and then three absolutely months, three months later they come on and they push the button again they're like oh yeah book and then yeah leave. like they're all gonna rush out there and buy it yeah. I think I a good way is that as well, <laughs> as well as kind of interacting with, um, you know, your your followers and the people that you, you talk to on Twitter, um, you know, getting involved. And I like to get involved in um, things like we, we call it UK teen chat and UK MG chat, UK young adult chat, you know, groups that, you know, every couple of weeks or so for an hour, we'll have a discussion about a different topic related to that. And you know that the people that are on there, are there to interact and give you something important to listen to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not not just to say, you know, oh, I'm selling this book or selling that book. And sometimes it'll be, you know, um, you know oh, we've got so-and-so, the author of this book, you know, is our guest today. And me, you can talk to them about their process of, of writing. And it's a, it's a much it's a much more uh, rewarding uh, thing. And I think, I think social media used correctly can be an absolutely brilliant thing. It does it does have its pitfalls, you know, and you, but I think you can spot a, a kind of almost a robot that's spitting out adverts mm-hmm. a mile away, can't you? All it does it is mean I know you don't pay enough attention to your Twitter account to uh, ever respond yeah. to me. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. I got a DM. Oh, it's well, a it, robot. It makes it look like Thanks. you're active, so it, it improves your analytics. But that's yes. it. It's not really improving but... your actual penetration into the market. You're not not really getting people to want to oh. look at what you're putting out there because they have mm. to like you first. If they like yes. you, they'll more likely to click and check something out. It's just like if anybody puts anything out there with like a, a link to somewhere else or yep. anything, if they don't know who you are or they don't like you, mm-hmm. they're not going to trust you. Once they trust you, like, okay, sure, I'll check out what this is. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Which yeah. totally happened uh too. <laughs> I bought your book because I was like, oh, I just had this great conversation with this guy on the Wicked <laughs> Library and I want to read what the heck you. else he's <laughs> written. Mm. I'm really enjoying Firestorm <laughs> Rising, by the way. I'm not all the way through it, but oh my God. Oh, excellent. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that, that the, 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 was hilarious the word that you used there. Yeah. I, think, I think that's such a good word to use because I think I've been, two. there are two things that I've been described as that as a writer, mm-hmm. that really uh, I consider hugely flattering. <laughs> and one was when I was a, a teacher training, and we, we did we did a creative writing unit, and people were writing all kinds kinds of you know <laughs> mundane stuff, <laughs> and I wrote something really sick, and it was like <laughs> the uh, the um, the uh, lecturer, whatever it was, moderator said, uh, wrote three words: brilliant but sick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yes, back of the net, goal, fantastic. <laughs> and um, what was the other one? I can't remember the other one. Oh yeah, um, that something I, I, I had a, a chap book out, you know, sort of thing, um, few stories, a chap book called Bloodshot, uh-huh. uh, long since out of print, um, but um, isn't in, in the early days. And uh, a reviewer said that, and I think this was a really nice thing to say, that I'm equally comfortable um, laughing in the dark as, you know, as out in the light. Something like that. He has this, he has this, uh, this ability to laugh in the dark, and that kind of sums up his work. And so I do love to lace humour in there. You know, I think it's so important. I can't help it. 
Because it's kind it's kind of that organic thing, and and I think that's maybe part of the voice that you maybe sort of recognise as mm-hmm. maybe one of my, you know, one of my traits. Uh, there's always a bit of fun in there. I mean, there's such humour in life, isn't there? There is. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, and and in horror as well. You know, particularly some of the things that are not supposed to be funny are really hilarious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's oh, funny. There's so many. I I won't even bring them up, but there's so many things just already in your book that I'm just like I am sitting there giggling to myself because it's just like a funny moment. But yeah, I I love it. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, thank you so much. I am glad. I mean, that's the that's the best kind of uh, feedback that you can get. And I mean, the 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 kids tend to like it as well. And say that they are quite honest, and they they will sort of go, "Hey, it's really." And I don't know whether it's this sort of insecurity of, of being a writer or whatever. And you, you know, you always have that bit. Don't you? Most people don't like it. You know, what mm-hmm. if it? What if it's rubbish? What if it's not what I think it is? And every time a kid or somebody like yourself goes, "Yeah, I'm really enjoying that." And, wow, and I wrote that. You know, yeah. And um, and it's a, it's a great feeling, isn't it? And you, you, as you say, as fellow fellow writers, you'll you'll understand that. You know, it's the kind of. Definitely. It's a real buzz that you you kind of given birth to this thing and somebody's having a good time with it. You know, it's it's job done. Exactly. Um, and yeah. speaking of your alley, where can we send people to find you and uh, find more of your work? <laughs> right. Um, well, um, the, the best place to find me, really, uh, to, to if you want to communicate with me, talk to me, and I'm very happy to interact, is on my Twitter account, which is at John Cluerth um just just my name mm-hmm. um i've got a website which i update quite often you know um it's, it's fairly infrequently but um that's at www.johncloth.co.uk i think it is or .com.co.uk um and it's dark and spooky tales it's called mm-hmm. um so there's lots of information on there and snippets and little links to pages from the books that i've written if people want to dip into those i've got a facebook page as well which uh, when anything's new come uh, news coming up I, I pop on there so if people want to pop along interact have a chat great to get to know you it just builds that wider community um and uh, you know hopefully you'll enjoy the sea heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> so john thank you thank you so much for joining us yes, thank today you so and much for sharing your plethora well, of knowledge on this subject <laughs> well you know you know what i've really really enjoyed it and uh jeanette and alex thank you very much for having me on this lovely show <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening this has been the ninth story podcast with jeanette alexander and our guest john Cleworth. and thank you john for joining us today And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It helps more people find our lovely little podcast and join us and be a part of this whole community. And that'd be wonderful. So please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to us. Write a review and more writers will join. If you want to find out more about this particular episode and the topics we discussed, you can go over to podcast.ninthstory.com forward slash s 6 E05. We'll see you there, my friends. Hello, welcome to Skype call testing service. After the beep, please record a message. Afterwards, your message will be played back to you. Big black bugs bleed blue blood. Big blue bugs bleed black blood.
big blue bloods bleed black bugs. Oh God, why? Why? Please make it stop. Why? Black bugs bleed blue blood. Big blue bugs bleed black blood. Big blue bloods bleed black bugs. Oh God, why? Why? Please make it stop. Why? <laughs> if you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. Amazing. I am amusing. message, but not your own voice, then something is wrong with Skype your audio lady. recording settings. Aren't you Please amused? Please check your microphone and microphone <laughs> settings or Skype visit lady. Skype.com hey. for more help. Thank you for using the Skype Listen. testing hey. Goodbye. Aww. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.